Hello, listeners. This episode originally aired in February of 2016, and we're rebroadcasting it because it's about opt-out programs and their potential impact on the workers' compensation system. So stay tuned. We hope you enjoy the episode. This is Workers' Comp Matters, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, the only legal talk network program that focuses entirely on the people and the law in workers' compensation cases. Nationally recognized trial attorney, expert, and author, Alan S. Pierce is a leader committed to making a difference when workers' comp matters. Welcome to Legal Talk Network and our show, Workers' Comp Matters. I'm your host, Alan Pierce. I'm an attorney in Salem, Massachusetts, with the law firm of Pierce, Pierce, and Napolitano. And on today's show, we are welcoming Bob Burke. Bob is an attorney in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He is a, um, an attorney who's been representing primarily injured workers in workers' compensation matters since 1980. He's the former Secretary of Commerce and Principal Advisor on Workers' Compensation during the administration of Oklahoma Governor David Boren. He was the chairman of the Fallon Commission on Workers' Comp Reform in the 1990s. He rewrote the entire workers' compensation law, Title 85, in 2011. And he has been a speaker at more than 100 continuing legal education seminars. He is the author and co-author of numerous articles on workers' compensation and uh, related topics. Uh, Bob is going to talk to us today about a concept uh, that is likely to change the landscape of workers' compensation. It's a term that we're going to refer to as opt-out. However, before we get started, um, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Case Pacer, practice management software dedicated to the busy trial attorney. To learn more, go to casepacer.com. And also PI Now, find a local qualified private investigator anywhere in the U.S. Visit PINow.com to learn more. Bob, welcome to Workers' Comp Matters. Hey, thanks you, Alan. Okay, um, Oklahoma is one of two states that has a, a version, if you will, of something that is referred to generically as opt-out. So why don't we begin by defining what opt-out means as it relates to Oklahoma, and perhaps you can keep compare and contrast it to a similar system uh, that's a bit different in this neighboring state of Texas. I will, Alan. Uh, many years ago in Texas, which is unique in that it is the only state that does in which the employer is not required by law to take care of injuries or deaths to their workers. The other 49 states have a statutory obligation for, for employers to, in some form or fashion, to take care of their employees. So Texas did not have that. So it was easy for uh, people in Texas to develop uh, what was called what I call an opt-out plan of where that an employer stayed out of the normal workers' comp system, even in Texas, did not carry a traditional workers' comp policy, but instead developed its own benefit plan. I mean, down to the secret plan of saying, here's what we're going to cover. Our uh, administrator of this plan is going to decide every case. There is no independent trier effect anywhere along the way. The employer chooses all the doctors. The employer chooses uh, if they're going to cover anything and to what extent. So those plans um, 
are, are in effect in Texas now. Walmart is probably the biggest carrier as an opt-out carrier in the state of Texas. So for 10 years at least, Walmart and others have simply abided by this plan, which is not on file anywhere, which uh, injuries do not have to be reported. In fact, none of the activity under the plan has to be reported to any authority anywhere. There is no record, no data of if how many injuries an employer had, how many of those were found to be compensable because the employer controls everything. Now, uh, three years ago, that idea of the employer uh, developing a plan and then being uh, defending that plan under ERISA rather than through the traditional workers' compensation system of a state, that came to Oklahoma. Uh, the Republicans have taken over the governor's chair and the legislature in Oklahoma uh, for the first time in history, and that was, in 2013, pretty easy to pass, along with uh, some other uh, uh, changes in the workers' comp law that, um, frankly, have made Oklahoma have the lowest comp benefits in the, in the nation. We're not very proud of that. Now, the opt-out that came to Oklahoma is kind of a strange duck because in Texas, recognizing that an employer can develop its own plan, uh, Texas employers have always been subject to common law negligence actions. Exclusive remedy does not lie with that opt-out plan that the employers have in Texas. But in Oklahoma, the legislature has attempted to both keep exclusive remedy for an employer that opts out or becomes what the statute calls a qualified employer. And so they want to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, there have only been 60 businesses in the first two years that have opted out in Oklahoma. And the company out of Dallas, Partner Source, that uh, writes most of the uh, opt-out plans in Texas and 90% of them in Oklahoma, came in and marketed those and we, we do, uh, of the 60, many are nursing homes, uh, many are small businesses, uh, but, uh, and the only two large companies are like big lots. They don't have a lot of stores in Oklahoma, but Dillard's Department Stores has a number of employees. So uh, the first case that came up was against Dillard's. And these opt-out plans, our statute in Oklahoma required opt-out, uh, the opt-out plan to have the same benefit as the normal workers' compensation, because there's no question that opt-out in Oklahoma and in most other states would be uh, just another way in which an employer could fulfill its statutory obligation to take care of its injured workers. It's one of three ways in Oklahoma. So uh, three different times in cases that are pending uh, now pretty quickly going to be before the Supreme Court to see if the entire opt-out scheme is constitutional or not. But uh, the Dillard's and uh, Partner Source tried to remove the first three cases to federal court saying, oh, no, 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 it's just like in Texas. These are ERISA claims. Well, even without a hearing, I filed motions to remand saying, wait a minute. There is an exclusion under ERISA that says any plan that is developed by an employer uh, to fulfill its obligation under a workers' compensation state law is automatically exempt from ERISA. 
Well, that's exactly what three different federal judges in the Western District of Oklahoma found. So all of those cases are now pending before the Oklahoma Workers' Compensation Commission. Now, the problem with that is the statute does not really give a good appeal. And remember, I'm spending a lot of time talking about the Oklahoma law, but it's trying to be replicated in Tennessee, in South Carolina, and other states in conservative or Republican-controlled legislatures throughout the South. And it will spread to the nation. That's what Walmart and Hobby Lobby and a lot of other companies would like to do. All right. Bob, as you know, there was a recent uh, ar- uh, series of articles um, um, about opt-out that appeared um, nationally that described these uh, systems. Could you give us uh, some illustrations of how the various benefits or the way injured workers can access those benefits are materially different under the opt-out plans as we know them uh, than the traditional workers' comp uh, laws that apply to everybody else? Yes, Alan, I have, in writing, analyzed about 40 of the plans that exist in Oklahoma. And every one of them, there are 40 to 50 shortcomings of what normal workers' compensation law is. Uh, For example, there's so many of them, and it'll say, in fact, the marketers of opt-out will say, hey, we provide the same benefits or sometimes even greater benefits. Well, uh, our Oklahoma law and most of the laws that you see being proposed around the country will say they got to provide the same benefits. But here is where the rubber meets the road and what the real story is. For example, our law says that um, you got to have the same statute of limitations. But each of the 60 plans in Oklahoma have the, a maximum of a 24-hour statute of limitations. Now, some of them, like Dillard's Department Stores, their statute of limitations, they will provide benefits only if the employer, if the, I'm sorry, if the injured worker reports the accident and files a written report by the end of the shift on which the injury occurs. That's the statute of limitation. If the injury occurs at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon before the employee gets off at 5, then there's practically a one-hour statute of limitations. Now, I have a case pending in district court right now in which I have asked the Oklahoma State Insurance Commissioner uh, to be enjoined from approving any further plans because they are not the same. Uh, because I have a lady who worked for a healthcare company. She is injured in plain sight of her supervisor. She fills out a report immediately. The employer sends her to the doctor. But she's denied by the home office because she did not call a toll-free number, as is required by the opt-out plan, within 24 hours. Basically, she was asleep from all the medicine given to her at the emergency room, and she waits 27 hours. Now, the local company management was so enraged by the denial, the employer accepted the claim, provided about two weeks' worth of benefits, but then hired a a doctor out of New Mexico to come in to examine her. And, of course, he says, even though she's 32 years old, says everything is preexisting on her shoulder and that they have now said, we're not going to provide anything else. We have appealed that within the plan, which we have to do. We'll go to the Workers' Compensation Commission and then take that issue to the Supreme Court. Many, many examples. For example, it looks like on paper that an opt-out plan provides the same benefit for medical. However, Under opt-out, the employer totally decides 
what medical is appropriate, what kind of injuries are going to be uh, found compensable. Many of them, many of the cases, I mean, or many of the opt-out plans in Oklahoma simply do not allow any claims for what they call injuries that occur at a keyboard, which effectively eliminates from opt-out all uh, repetitive trauma carpal tunnel claims. Uh, many times, uh, for example, they will not allow mental claims at all. Uh, they will not allow uh, heart attacks, strokes, uh, lightning strikes. Um, they simply, none of the opt-out plans I've seen will allow an aggravation of a pre-existing condition to be a compensable injury. So basically, they don't cover anything. Now, even when they do say, hey, we provide the same death benefits or we provide the same uh, permanent and total disability benefits, here's how they get around paying anything. The, every, every plan that I've seen allows a deduction from what the employer owes of any Social Security benefits ever paid, whether it's death benefits, retirement benefits, or uh, uh, Social Security disability insurance benefits. So that prevents uh, any payment ever in a death case to kids. Here's why. Every worker in the country covered by Social Security, that worker is killed. Then there's going to be a substantial sum going via uh, Social Security dis or Social Security to that uh, uh, child each month. That's going to be deducted from what the employer owes. And under our schedule of benefits in Oklahoma, the employer never has to pay a child. If the wife happens to be on Social Security because of her age or disability, then she gets no death benefits. So on paper, it says same benefits for permanent total disability and death, but they deduct anything that anybody ever gets from Social Security. That's a double whammy for disabled workers because, as everyone knows, that Social Security disability uh, would deduct any payment that should be paid uh, under a state workers' compensation plan. So workers are going to really, really get hosed on that deal. The uh, other examples, then the statute of limitations and benefits like that, um, um, for example, all of the uh, employees that are working for opt-out employers in Oklahoma, uh, injuries are not covered if they are from, quote, altercations and fights. <laughs> well, one of the big uh, opt-out companies subcontracts with our state government for treatment of juvenile offenders. I've had many, many social worker cases where they were injured during an attack. Well, they're now covered by opt-out, and that's not covered by workers' compensation. Um, um, and, and some of them are even laughable. For example, the opt-out plans that I've seen do not will not require the employer to pay for the blood in a blood transfusion. Why, I don't know, but it's strictly prohibited under the opt-out policy. And they limit home health care or nursing home benefits to the first 60 days. Now, what really irks me is a situation where you have an injury that, that uh, renders an, a worker quadriplegic. If he's with an opt, I mean, if he's with a normal insurance company, then, hey, the blood transfusion to save his life is going to be paid for 100%, no copay, no deductibles. And then if he has to spend five years in his local nursing home for rehab, that's going to be covered if it's reasonable and necessary. But under opt-out, they only pay for the first 60 days. 
So for the quadriplegic, the paraplegic, the terribly injured person who perhaps for 10 years, who's going to pay that? Most likely is the taxpayers, either through a state agency, uh, Medicare, Medicaid. And one of my big gripes about the entire opt-out scheme is it's nothing but a wholesale national effort by a number of companies to pass the buck, to simply um, put to the taxpayers the entire burden of caring for injured workers, especially the most, the most severe ones who will require great care, millions and millions of dollars worth for a long time. It, opt-out is nothing but employers shifting the cost of injured workers in this country to Medicaid and Medicare, of course, the taxpayers. And if Medicare uh, picks up the tab, uh, you know, will CMS ask the state for reimbursement later on? A lot, a lot of an, unanswered. But, but those are examples are just the tip of the iceberg because uh, one of the real due process problems with opt-out um, is the area of appeals rights. Um, every plan I've seen prohibits any, quote, de novo review, end quote, or any, quote, arbiter or court, end quote, from ever overturning the employer's decision on compensability and extent of benefits. Now, remember, the employer does everything. The, 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 the employee never gets to testify to anybody. The worker never gets to have his own doctor come in and render an opinion. And so all at once, the opinions of the employer-selected doctor and um, uh, their comrades uh, rule everything. So that's the entire record. And our statute in Oklahoma says that our Workers' Comp Commission can only overturn the decision if the, the plan itself was not followed. Well, that is a terrible problem with due process, and that will be the crux of our attack as, as the opt-out cases get to the Supreme Court. Because I've said publicly before, Alan, I'm not against opt-out if they do four things. Number one is you've got to have exactly the same benefits. Secondly, you've got to have the same remedies within a workers' compensation law on change of doctors, on the appointment of independent medical examiners. Uh, thirdly, there has to be um, somewhere along the line, an arbiter, an independent arbiter. Hey, geez, that's the American way. There has to be along the way an arbiter, an independent arbiter to see if the, if the worker has been done right and if the employer has been done right. But thirdly, or fourthly then, uh, the appeal, that there has to be significant due process appeal uh, to the highest court within a state. It is not ERISA. It is still workers' compensation. And uh, each workers' compensation, each Supreme Court of each state has to decide, is this kind of a plan going to fulfill the employer's responsibility under public policy of taking care of injured workers in this country? It is, I believe, the greatest threat, opt-out, is the greatest threat for rights of injured workers in this country in a half century. Thanks, Bob. That was a great answer. Um, we are going to take this opportunity to take a short break, and we will be back on Workers' Comp Matters with our guest, Bob Burke. Case Pacer is the leading practice management software for today's workers' comp and plaintiff's attorney. 
named one of the fastest growing companies in America by Inc. Magazine. We've given attorneys and their staff the ability to work from anywhere on any device. By automating workflows and streamlining non-revenue generating tasks, CasePacer enables firms to grow their practice at minimal cost. To see CasePacer in action, contact us today at CasePacer.com. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PI Now understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. I'd like to welcome everybody back to Workers' Comp Matters and our guest, Bob Burke. We left off by a discussion of opt-out in Oklahoma and a comparison and contrast of benefits available by employers who opt out of the traditional workers' compensation system. Um, Bob, there is an organization, I'll have you describe it. It's, um, I don't know if the acronym is ARAWC, the Association for Responsible Alternatives to Workers' Compensation. Um, Tell us who they are and what their agenda is. Well, I believe that this organization, it certainly started by companies like Walmart and uh, Nordstrom's and and Lowe's and um, uh, Big Lots and, and a number of companies who decided that they wanted to push opt-out across the country. Now, that's the, their only agenda that I'm aware of. Uh, it's uh, being um, – we have an Oklahoman involved. Steve Edwards is a former Republican chairman in Oklahoma uh, who is the, the legislative director nationwide. And what has happened is this group, in fact, uh, the the chairman of the group is a former Walmart risk manager. Walmart's had great success with opt-out in Texas, so they would like to replicate that uh, elsewhere. They have not opted out in Oklahoma for some reason. And I uh, suspect that that this organization is really behind uh, the introduction of bills. And we know in Tennessee, in South Carolina, uh, we've had other rumblings in Georgia, some other states, many of the states in the South. And when those bills have been introduced, they again come across uh, to the employers saying, look, this is, the, this is a reasonable alternative because workers' comp has gotten out of control. So therefore, uh, let you, why don't you develop your own benefit plan? Now, even good employers who, and many, 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 and and I think probably in America, most employers want to take care of their injured workers. I really do. And those people uh, will be very disappointed if they participate in an opt-out plan because they will soon find out that their plan doesn't cover anything. That's why it's cheaper. I mean, if you don't cover anything or if you cover something, if the employer totally controls what doctors and what kind of uh, injuries are covered, and to the extent of that, and have just limitations everywhere, even uh, to the point of, for example, the opt-out plans in Oklahoma don't even cover injuries uh, in from tornadoes. My goodness, this is the state where Twister was filmed. We're known as Tornado Alley. 
And that's an example of where stripped-down coverage can hurt uh, both the employer, because you're going to be able to be sued at common law negligence. But I think this national effort is just simply a um, desire by these big companies to shift all of the cost of caring for injured workers in this country, both indemnity and medical. Indemnity being the wage replacement uh, disability benefits, right? And the, and the way they do that is because if somebody's permanently totally disabled, then you, you'd think then, well, they're probably going to get on Social Security disability. So the employer under opt-out gets to deduct any payment it, uh, from Social Security uh, from what they owe. So they're not going to owe anything. So uh, it's a simply cost shifting. It's a major. It's a major uh, social cost shifting from employers and injured workers uh, to cover injuries for for injured workers and all the costs associated with that. And so how did all of that to the federal government? So how did something like this get passed in Oklahoma? I know uh, obviously it's a political issue. It had to be done by the legislature. It had to be signed by the governor. Totally political. Uh, because the, we have a heavy Republican uh, majority, the state chamber of commerce got behind it, and uh, the big, some, you know, several big businesses, Hobby Lobby, um, uh, Unit Drilling, some other large companies in Oklahoma got behind it, and they simply told the members of the legislature, "Hey, this is the same thing, or even better benefits." They continue to say that. And I've had many, many legislators in the last two years say, we're sorry, Bob, we didn't read that bill. We were told it was better for injured workers. They now recognize that we have the lowest benefits in the land. And uh, part of that is is opt-out. And and many legislators have said, well, we don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, let me stop you there. Now, we've been talking about the big employers, and I'm I'm going to – uh, from what I've read, I think it's because to develop such an alternative plan, you need to be a fairly large and well-funded company because it's the average business, the small business, the medium-sized business can't afford to do this. So what is the effect of removing the Walmarts and the Nordstroms and the big box stores and the big retailers and the, the big employers from the system, what effect is that having on the rest of the employers and the rest of the employees in Oklahoma, for example, uh, that are still under the traditional workers' comp system? Well, I think without a doubt, it means a coming cost increase, a rate increase for those other employers. Here's why. The big employers in the state, like Walmart, uh, obviously, they have safety engineers. They have safety programs, and they're what what the insurance industry calls cream of the crop uh, uh, underwriting. And if you remove those really good risk uh, operations, those businesses out of the pool, then everybody else gets a rate increase. I mean, it's a matter of math. You, you know, you take away the good risks, then you're going to be able to. Everybody's going to have to pay more, especially for the small employer who can't afford. For example, in Oklahoma. Uh, an employer has got to pay a $1,500 a fee just to the insurance commissioner each year to have such a plan. Well, that wouldn't work for me in my small law office with a small uh, staff. I only pay like 1200 bucks a year for workers' compensation. Well, why would I want to go away from the traditional workers' compensation system uh, and, and pay $1,500 to the state to opt out and then pay a high-dollar ERISA company uh, to develop me a plan and then 
pay corporate downtown lawyers to defend me if I try to say that it's going to be defended under ERISA. Uh, it just doesn't make sense for any small or medium-sized employer to ever considering opt-out. And so it's nothing but bad things for about 90% of the businesses because they're going to see a rate increase. Okay, so the legislature passed it. The governor signed it. Some of the legislators have expressed to you privately they have second thoughts. Uh, Aside from the legislature uh, reversing um, the legislation and restoring traditional workers' comp, um, are the courts getting involved? Oh, big time. We do not anticipate our legislature will ever go back on that. They have too much on the line, and and the State Chamber of Commerce still says, oh, it's the same benefits, it's better benefits, and so they'll never go back on that. However, uh, we are working up our way. Our court, our Supreme Court in Oklahoma, will not give advisory opinions. So even though we are the first of next month, two years into the new law, uh, we are just now having cases uh, that will are justiciable and will be able to be heard by the Supreme Court. They will only uh, give their opinion about the constitutionality of a law if there is a specific case with a specific set of facts. Yeah, you've got certain significant due process and equal protection arguments here, and I assume, and 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 that's the battleground. You need a case in controversy. So, cases where where cases yes, we do, where, we have, and we but, have two cases in controversy that right now are being about, they're about ready in the next 60 days to be heard by the Workers' Comp Commission. We have, we have exhausted all the internal appeals under uh, the plans themselves, and now they go to the Workers' Compensation Commission. Now, what's held that up about nine months is because in each of those two cases, uh, uh, Dillard's, which they responded in both of them, tried to remove those to federal court right. to say they're under ERISA. And so it took a while to battle that. So now we're back in the commission. They've been remanded. And then as soon as the Workers' Comp Commission, and the commission's not going to be able to change anything because all they can do is to look at it and say, oh, gee, yeah, they followed their own plan. So they're not able to do a, an inquiry on the merits. They're not able to be an independent uh, arbiter. So therefore, once that's done, we're going to make a lot of noise and preserve all the constitutional arguments and then go straight to the Supreme Court. We expect that our Supreme Court uh, will not allow the Court of Civil Appeals, which is our intermediate court, to look at that first, but that we'll retain the appeal, we'll retain original jurisdiction in the case, and hopefully would uh, render us a decision. But constitutional arguments galore on just the failure of due process for the injured worker. And you mentioned uh, a Southern strategy, if I can go back to maybe my little bit of political history. Uh, Bill currently pending in Tennessee. I know there's been some discussion in what South Carolina and some other states, uh, Georgia, and others are, are concerned. What's, what's the current federal landscape, the national landscape about opt-out as you see it? Well, it, right now it's only being introduced in the South, and I think their 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 philosophy there is that you have really conservative-led Republican legislatures uh, who would be willing to listen to such a pro-business proposition because it sounds like a wonderful idea. Now, we have helped get out the word in Tennessee and in South Carolina, and we think that there will be a stiff fight for the passage of opt-out in Tennessee and in South Carolina and any other state. Uh, just just simply because once they uh, find out what has happened in Oklahoma, 
uh, and what the the actual what the plans look like, not just in theory, but what do they cover and what do they not cover, then um, uh, I, I think that you're going to have more and more opposition to opt out. And I think many employers are going to resist to that. And now, Alan, I really anticipate the federal government getting involved at some point, because as a taxpayer, I'm concerned that the big employers in this country would like to dump all the cost of their injured workers onto Medicare and Medicaid. And ultimately, that affects my pocketbook. That affects my Medicare premium. I've recently been enrolled in Medicare. And so I'm telling you my age. So, so I am going to have to pay higher premiums. And just the dumping of the, in, the of employers of this country of the costs of workers' compensation onto the federal government is objectionable. As a taxpayer, it's just not right. And so I think you're going to find several agencies of the federal government uh, when they're being, when they learn more about this situation, uh, to uh, I hope that the federal government will take an active role in looking into this and see is this exactly the way I say it is. Well, Bob, I want to wrap it up right there. I want to first of all thank you for educating me and our audience on the concept of opt out uh, for fighting the fight in Oklahoma uh, because it's obviously not easy to go the uh, the judicial route. Uh, to make seismic change uh, or to reverse something like this. And um, this is something we have to watch around the country. So uh, we may be calling upon you again to update our audience on workers' comp matters as to how opt-out is progressing in Oklahoma and elsewhere in the country. So, again, thank you very much for joining us. Um, this is Alan Pierce on Workers' Comp Matters on the Legal Talk Network. Now go out and make it a day that matters. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Workers' Cop Matters today on the Legal Talk Network, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' comp legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other Workers' Cop Matters shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.